Well, good morning. Glad to see everybody here this morning. Uh, if you are a guest, we welcome you. And for those of you who may not know, my name is Trevor, I'm a pastor here at Round Oak. And again, we are very excited to have you here with us this morning, that you'd come and worship with us uh, today. And just to let you know, we're, we'll be here next week too, God willing. So feel free to come back. And again, you're only a guest once. After that, you're, you're family and you're stuck with us. So just want you to know that. Not that I'm not trying to scare you away, but that's how we're going to treat you here. So again, we're going to continue through our book of John. We're just going to get right into it. So if you have your Bibles, and I hope that you do, because it's really important, because I want to say this as we get started. Never, ever, ever take my word for it just because I, I'm up here and I have a platform. If you go to another church next week, never, ever, ever take their pastor's word for it just because he's up front and has a platform. This is our authority. This is what we compare all things to. And if anything that I say doesn't line up with this, not merely your opinion or not merely my opinion, but if it doesn't line up with what the Bible says, it's wrong. There's no way to, no way to spin that in a positive note. It's just wrong. So again, I hope that you have your Bibles with you because again, that's where we have our standard for truth in all practice. But uh, we're going to be in the book of John. We're going to continue our study. We'll be... First John, or not First John, excuse me, John chapter 1, just a couple verses today, verses 12 and 13. And as we uh, kind of get this set back up, we remember last week we looked at something that wasn't the funnest to look at. Uh, we looked at the realistic fact that there will be those, and there will be many of those who reject Jesus, who look at Jesus and say, no. Now, don't get me wrong. One thing that we have to see is we, we say no to Jesus all the time. People in this room, all of us, say no to Jesus quite frequently. And I have a lot of people tell me, I, I, don't, I never say no to God. And I'll say this. You don't have to say the words actual the no. Simply not saying yes to God is, is saying no. How many times have we done that? We didn't want to do something. This one's hard. Be honest. You don't have to say anything. You don't have to answer. You don't have to call yourself out in front of the group here. But how many times have, have you heard it almost audibly? God is speaking to you so clearly. Go talk to that person. And you say, are you serious, God? He says, yes. Go tell them about me. And then you look at them. In public? Yes. That guy. God says, yes. And the whole time you're just... Backing away, getting further away. We we didn't say no at all, not audibly, not even in our heads. But not saying yes to God, we're telling God no. I'm not going to. I'm not going to listen to you. That's not the rejection that we really looked at, but that's rejecting what God's will is for us. And it goes much further than that. If us as the children of God who have been redeemed by Jesus, by the blood of him, still do it? Imagine what they're doing out there. They're pushing God away so far and so fast. It's not even that they're rejecting, but they hate him. I love it too. It's funny, but it's not funny. 
Atheists don't believe in God, yet they hate God. How does that make any sense? They want it. They want it so bad to just shove it down our throats. Why are you getting so upset by something you don't even think is real? Because Romans 1 says that everybody knows. And that's why they're so angry. But again, we looked at that, that there will be many of those who push back, who fight against what the Bible says, who God is. And again, it's heartbreaking. I mean, it really is. We can joke about it. We can get, we can use it to, you know, kind of get ramped up a little bit, but it is, it's heartbreaking. But we must press on. We got to keep going because this world is full of things that are going to get us down. Every time we turn a corner, there's always something that's ready to jump out to steal our joy. There's always something crouching in the shadows. Or a lot of times it's right there in plain sight. That's trying to do all it can to steal the joy that we have. Our faith, our trust in God is what is going to carry us through even the hardest of situations. But again, I want to look at this passage today like this as we looked at this because we looked at what we looked at last week. But I want to look at it almost in a compare and contrast kind of way. We're not going to compare and contrast every single part of it, but we're going to look at it in that kind of fashion because we're going to see what the difference really is. How we, the decisions that we make and all the actions that we take, how that will impact our lives forever. And when I say forever, I, 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 I can imply that it means all of eternity as well. And we'll see that the most important question, the biggest question that you could be asked, that whole do you know Jesus question, how it really comes into play in our lives. But again, I hope that you're there. I hope you found it. John chapter 1, verses 12 and 13. Uh, follow along as I read aloud, starting in verse 12. But to all who did receive him, he gave them the right to be children of God to those who believe in his name, who were born not of natural descent or the will of the flesh or the will of man, but of God. I want to start off by saying this. Uh, the first word of verse 12 is one of my favorite words in all of the Bible. And it just is. Because it shows that there's a contrast. A dramatic shift from this to this. It, it's a change. There's, there's a chasm there. It's the difference between life and death. It's a dramatic, complete change between condemnation and forgiveness. Because there is no setting on the fence. There is no in-between. We're not partially saved. You cannot be halfway redeemed. It's all or nothing. It is the whole thing or no thing. There is either new life in, in Christ or simply there's not. There's not. I've had people try to tell me, we've talked about stuff like this before, to where, well, they're working on it. What are you working on? What are, you, what are you trying to do? 
you trying to do enough? Well, they're on their way to it. If you're on this side of salvation, the only thing we're working on is more sin that causes more death. That's it. That is it. There is either regeneration by the Holy Spirit or quite simply we fit into the crowd what we talked about last week that outright rejected Jesus. There's, That's it. And again, I'm sorry. I don't make up the rules. If I did, I probably would have made it harder because I would have wanted to look good, right? Like, ah, look at me. I can, I'm going to follow all these rules. I'm going to say this and that. And I just would have messed up anyway. But again, it's one of two categories. You see the difference that this changeover was was world-shaking, right? The word right here, again, one of my favorite words of the Bible, the whole thing. Verse 12, it says, but. Because look what the difference was. What would we change over front? Verse 10 and 11, again, we just talked about it last week, but in case you weren't here, I'm going to read through it real quick. Verse 10 says this, He was in the world, and the world was created through him, and yet the world did not recognize him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But, right? But. But now there's a drastic change. Something happened. That but represents that big change. That's who Jesus is. To those who did receive him, Those who believe, who hope, who trust in Jesus are now called something different. They're called children of God because of who Christ is. There is not a larger chasm in all of the universe. There's nothing that can compare to this between death and life. It's huge. There's nothing bigger. The difference between receiving Jesus and not is quite literally the biggest difference we can imagine. And it is the literal difference between death and life. We, we got to get that one. Because I want to say a couple things here. Uh, walking through those doors doesn't create life. I know people who have read this book a bunch of times who have no life and who have no light. That doesn't make us in either. Only through the blood of Jesus can we be redeemed. Period. And aren't you glad that you don't have to memorize all thousand pages of this? Because I am. There's a lot there. There's a lot. It's not dependent on what I can do, what you can do, but it's by the blood of Christ that says, if you believe me, I can forgive you. And that's important. Psalm 103, 12 says this, As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed my transgressions from me. That's a long way. You know what? Maybe you've heard this before, but I love this. When I first heard this, I thought it was the coolest thing in the world. Maybe I'm a nerd. That's okay. Because I am. but You know why it says from the east to the west? How come it doesn't say north and south? Now imagine the globe. If we start going north, and we just keep going, eventually we'll hit the north pole, and then what will happen? We start going south again. 
they touch. Essentially, they touch. But if we're on a globe and we start going east, will we ever go west? No matter how many times. If we start going west and we start just keep going around the globe, how many how many times do we have to go around to start going east? We won't. They never touch. They never touch. Isn't it amazing that God's word puts it into a perspective that us finite humans can understand? It just keeps going. As far as the east is from the west, he has removed our transgressions from us. When that but, that word, when that Jesus happens, when we see him for who he really is, when the Holy Spirit takes up residence in us, in our lives, our sins are forgiven, our spiritual account is taken from a super negative to an overflowing positive. We start to see what he's saying. And this is not again by our own doing, but because of Jesus Christ and his righteousness, not mine. And at that very moment, at that time, we're changed. And again, we are now called children of God. And it's amazing. We're grafted into the family. Now, isn't that a, a far stretch from those previous verses? The outright rejection, the pushing away, the fighting and the clawing and the scratching to get any kind of Jesus away. To accepting and being made brand new. Having salvation. It's a big difference. We can either reject Christ or we can receive Christ. That is the option. Again, some people don't like to hear this, but realistically, there are only two kinds of people in all the world. There are only two kinds of people who have ever walked on the face of this planet. Two. Every person that you meet or have ever met fits into one of these two categories. Those who receive salvation from God and those who reject it. That's it. I mean, that's it. You can fit literally everybody into those categories. It's a chasm so big, it makes the Grand Canyon look like a little crack in the sidewalk. But to believe in the name of Christ, to know the Jesus of the Bible, the Jesus that scriptures has revealed to us, all that he is and all that he does, is the only way to close that gap. Is the only way to cross that chasm. That's it. There's only that one way, and that is through Jesus. The only way to enter from death to life, and the only way to be called a child of God, is to know who Jesus is. To accept Him. And then again, we start looking at this in verse 13. Then John likes to tell us this. He tells us who gets the glory. He tells us how all this is possible. He gives us three ways to look at that. But they're in a negative fashion. He says what, how you, how you don't get it, right? You know what I mean? How we, how, we, how we don't accept Christ. He uses three ways here that people often like to talk about. Reasons that they claim they know who Jesus is. Reasons that they claim that they're spiritual and they know God. But first, I want to see this. Just to make sure we're on the same page and we're looking at it. 
Um, this is a comparison to being born again, which we know because we have the Bible and we, we've talked about it and we've read it, right? So at this time, it was still a pretty new concept, but this is the concept of what we're, we're talking about. Because it says this here again, it says who were born, again, talking about salvation, talking about new life, who were born not of something. He shows us that it's there's ways to not be saved, that these following ways, they can't do anything for you. So I want to look at it again, right? So right here, John writes, he uh, who were born, or you could say who were saved or who were redeemed, not of natural descent. Maybe your version you have in your hand, maybe it says not of blood, but it's talking about natural descent. We cannot be saved because of who our parents are. Pretty simple. We cannot be saved because of who your grandparents were. I have a grandpa who he was a, a pastor and my grandma went to church seven days a week every day for 65 years and all these things we've heard this stuff before you know what that does for you nothing nothing now you could have had a better upbringing because they would have or should have taught you instilled these things in you that would have helped but it does nothing for you that will not help you you are not ever going to stand be front of a holy God and say, but my grandpa. See, when you say the things out loud, you, you start to hear how ridiculous it sounds. It doesn't help. It doesn't help. It doesn't help that we come from a certain heritage. I've literally heard this one. And it floors me every time. I'm a Christian because I'm an American. I don't remember that part. Every time. Your heritage, your parents, your family, having the right last name, it might help you get a job. Yeah. It can help you get into the right schools. It can help lots of things. But when it comes to the saving grace of Jesus Christ, when it comes to salvation, it will be of no help, period. It just won't. Not of natural descent. Then he says, or the will of the flesh. The will of the flesh. Essentially, that's our works. Our personal desires. Neither will help these things when it comes to that time either. Before a holy and righteous God, no matter how much we think something, no matter how adamant our beliefs are, if it's contrary to what the Bible says, it will not help. doesn't matter. There are religious people all over the world, whether, it's, whether they're Christian or Hindu or Jewish or Muslim or whatever they believe, who they adamantly believe in their God. They believe it so strongly, many of them are willing to die for it. Does that make it right? No, it doesn't. If I just couldn't be more positive that 2 plus 2 equals 7, I mean, I would fight you to the end that I was right. Does it make me right? No, it doesn't. 
It just doesn't. We can do all the good works. We can believe whatever we want. The image with the good works thing, it comes up, uh, you know, Lady, uh, was it Lady Justice with, with the scales? Like, come on, tip. Somebody throw another rock in that side to get some weight on it because I'm not looking so good, right? That image comes up. Again, not going to help. It doesn't help. Because if we were honest with ourselves, if someone was literally holding a scale with all of our life's works, good, bad, ugly, indifferent, everything, it would be very, very heavy on the we're not in good shape side. Very bad. Again, none of our works will help us. Then he writes, or of the will of man. I like this one. Because people get stuck with this one. There are many, many man-made systems out there. That if you follow my system, or if you follow this system, you will get this. You will get that. But you got to do it right. Oh, it didn't work for you? You must have did it wrong. If you follow this system, you'll get this, so you'll get that. There are distortions of Christianity out there as well. I don't have to name them. I'm pretty sure everybody had one that popped in their head right now. But there are distortions as well. Those distortions will only lead you away. They're filled with lies. They're filled with deceit. Yeah, they sound good on the outside you know they, they sound good for a time it's a it's a big bubble with the outside of truth and a whole bunch of lies on the inside and when you get that bubble when they hand you the bubble you're like oh this bubble's nice it looks good it makes me feel good i'm gonna get something out of it and then somebody walks up and pops it and all the stuff all the lies all the deceit on the inside what does that do it goes all over you and now you're covered and you're stuck because you fell for every single trap of a man-made system. Man-made systems say that if I can only get so far, if I could just do this, if I could just do that, if I could be this type of person, if I could gather a band around me that's big enough to where I look good, surely God will accept me. If my bank account looks good enough, if I have the right car, if I could bench press so much weight, God will accept me. We can't be sinless, but as long as I don't let anybody know and I look good, right? as long as I look good, God must surely accept me at that, at that point, right? No system of man, nothing that we can come up with will be of any real good. Period. I've been trying it for thousands of years, and it doesn't help. And again, we have that changeover from the negative to the positive. And surprise, surprise, my favorite word is there again. Or of the will of man, and then it just changes and says, but of God. It's none of this garbage. Get this stuff out of your head, right? That's what he's talking about. He's saying this. He says, not of natural descent, 
or the will of the flesh or the will of man. This is garbage. This is just going to eat you alive from the inside out. And the wages of this is death. But over here, we've been talking about it. The whole Bible is filled with it. It's God. It's God now. That's what we can see. That's that changeover. We can't do this. We can't do it on our own. In fact, we all have some really nice golden shovels that we've been digging ourselves in this hole with for literally our whole lives. And we think we're going to dig our way out of it? Have you ever been in a hole and tried to dig your way out of it? We've all saw like cartoons and stuff, right? We know that doesn't work. We can't. In fact, again, we're the ones who dug ourselves into this hole. It's not because of who we are. It's not because of our trying or our own will. It's not because of the things that we do. But it's God who saves. And Him alone. I like to say this, the only thing we add to our salvation is the sin that makes it necessary. That's what we do. It's God who takes this heart of stone and replaces it with a soft heart. It's God who takes that calloused hardness and replaces it with a heart of flesh. It's God who gives us new life, who forgives us of our sins, and who gives us His righteousness. It's Him who died in our place. It's God who adopted us and grafted us into His family. And now He calls us children of God. Isn't that amazing? And aren't you joyful and, and just ecstatic that it doesn't depend on ourselves? Because, man, I tell you, I am. I say this a lot, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't bet on my best five minutes to be able to stand in front of a holy God. No way. Aren't you glad that when we messed up, when we've sinned before, when we sin today, when we sin tomorrow, that that's not it? God doesn't came. Oh, you, you messed up today. You're done. It's over. Have good good luck with eternity. That, that would that'd be awful. Aren't you glad that that's not how it works? That that wasn't the end? No other system, no other religion in the world is anything like Christianity. Nothing is like what Jesus has done for us. Nothing. And the reason why that is, why there's nothing else, that's easily explainable. It's because there is no one and nothing like our God. All the man-made systems and religions, all the schemes of the devil, all these things that, that promise us all these things, the world over has been promised to us. All of them either had no intentions or simply could never deliver any of the promises that they made. None of them can ever compare it to the Lord Jesus Christ. It's the free gift that he gives us. It's the free gift of salvation that Jesus offered us. He went to the cross and took all of our sins and said, I'm going to take this for you. He willingly went there. He did that so that this gift would be available for us. Again, dying so that we could live. So that we can again be called children of God. 
we shouldn't flippantly use that. To be a child of the living God, that's outstanding. I mean, that's nothing short of completely amazing that God would accept us into his family. It's amazing. Now, let's close kind of with saying this, though. It really is simple. The whole thing's pretty simple when you kind of look at it. And yet, it's the most amazing thing that's imaginable. Stunningly amazing. If you don't know Lord Jesus, did you know that you can know him right now? At this very second. If the Holy Spirit's moving in you and just and stirring things up, you can simply call on his name. And this very instant, you could know for sure. The burden, the guilt, the sin that is hanging over you, he can take it, he can forgive you and make you new, brand new. We read this in Romans. He said, I'm going to pause right there real quick because that's the end of the uh, verse 9. But it says, you will be saved. Not you might be saved. Not as possible to be saved. Not go home, take a shower, get cleaned up, get your hair cut, look really nice and come back next Sunday. Make sure you bring a big fat check to put in the thing. That's how you get saved. No, it doesn't say that. It says, you call on the name of the Lord, you will be saved. And then he continues on, one believes with the heart, resulting in righteousness, and one confesses with the mouth, mouth, resulting in salvation. Believe with your heart. When you see the word heart in the Greek, it doesn't mean the thing that beats that keeps us alive. It means the whole person. You believe with all that you are, and then you say it out loud. Jesus, your word is true. Forgive me, Lord. Forgive me, a sinner. And you know it. And it's yours. You have Jesus and he has you. And I'll tell you this. If you have Jesus, your grip can be kind of strong. But there's going to be times when you let go. But you know who doesn't let go? You know who's really, really strong? God is. When he gets a hold of you, he doesn't let go. So when it's real, when you make that real confession of faith, when you make that real changeover, when that but happens in your life and you go from death to life, and it's real, you know it. And everything is different. So if the Spirit is talking to you, calling you, moving in you, don't wait. Don't put it off. We like to wait till about 11.30 to do it. The problem is, we don't know what happens at 10.45. We don't know what happens at 10.55. Don't put it off. In just a moment, we'll have a time that you're invited to come up and pray with me. Have an invitation time. So search yourself. Ask God to search you and reveal what's in you. Things we may not understand or may not even realize yet. Ask God to search you. Seek the forgiveness of God. And today you can become a child of the living God. Isn't that amazing? 
Father, again, we thank you so much for everything that you do, for your word that we're able to gather and, and praise you and glorify you and honor you. Jesus, we thank you so much that you would go to the cross in our place and die for us, willingly die for us. Lord, we're so grateful. Forgive us when we're not and help us to seek you and to see more and more of who you are and understand more and more of the sacrifice that you laid down for us. Help us to take that message, your gospel, Lord, to the world that is dying and decaying and desperately needs you. Again, Lord, we thank you for everything. And thank you is not quite enough. It just doesn't hit the point. Words can't describe how amazing you are and how thankful we are. Lord, again, we love you. We praise you. We pray these things in Jesus' name.